0: Hey guys, Henry here, and in today's episode, I wanted to give you a template speed session for you so that you can use it to really have a framework around what a speed session could look like, the different elements you need to incorporate, how long roughly that could look like, and what kind of components we need to include to ensure we're getting a really well-rounded speed session that is going to help to not only improve our performance in the short term, but also in the long term, begin to look at things like improving our technique, and also just enhancing the various elements of the program so that it all makes logical sense and flows through. So if you're a hockey player looking to get quicker, this video is going to be for you. So we're going to try and break the session down to four key components. The first is our movement prep, the second is our technical prep, the third is our free sprints, and the fourth is our cool down. The reason why we structure it like this is that each component builds on the last with the cool down obviously allowing us to recover more effectively And just make sure we're not building up any tightness or possibly leading to injury as we accumulate sessions in the long term. So first piece is the movement prep. And what we mean by that is preparing the body for the movements associated with the speed session as well as the movements associated with hockey from a longer term perspective. So always think about warm ups. We're trying to improve short-term performance, but also contribute to long-term athleticism as well. And it's a big opportunity there to develop, uh, you know, good ranges of motion, but also good quality movements that are going to complement not just the speed session, but also other training sessions throughout the week you might have, and long-term performance as well. Now, what we're trying to do uh, to begin with is warm the body up. Okay, as in, as in the name, warm up. We tend to think about jogging around a pitch, as an example, there's actually no real um, sort of value necessarily in just aimlessly jogging around. However, there is value in the act of raising heart rate, raising pulse rate, raising our core temperature and other physiological variables associated with this um, action. So there is value sometimes in doing some simple linear jogging um, if it contributes to the session aims. So, for example, if we're going to do something like uh, linear jogging and also some skips and bounds, that type of thing in our technical prep, then it makes sense because it's going to complement what comes up next. But just make sure that everything you do is intentional. So although I'm saying jogging sometimes can be a little bit aimless, as long as the intention there is that we're trying to be really purposeful in the work we're doing, it can actually have some value. So what we're going to try and do is begin with uh, sort of five minutes, maybe less, depending how much time you've got of uh, jogging. Other movements, general movements, but try to make it multi-directional. So it doesn't just need to be linear, um, it can also be multi-directional. Things like lateral shuffling, uh, rotational-based movements, things like mirror-based drills. If you're working one-on-one with someone else as a partner-based um, session, that can work really, really well. But just trying to get pulse raised up. The second thing is then looking at hip mobility drills. The hip's obviously a super, super important joint in force production and, and also range of motion and any limitations around the hip are obviously going to manifest themselves in things like lower back pathologies, things like um, other soft tissue injuries. So just really making sure we're working in around that hip to make sure we've got good ranges of motion prior to the session. This also contributes to long-term development of good ranges of motion and also injury prevention too. So it's not only improving short-term performance, but also longer-term athleticism as well. Really good movements for this things like Spider-Man, lunges and arabesque, trying to work on both the anterior and postural, uh, posterior component of the hip in order to make sure we've got good ranges of motion at both. It's particularly important to make sure we've got good anterior uh, hip range of motion when we're trying to hit that good front side mechanics. In other words, getting good hip flexion as that knee drives through in sprinting and without that we're obviously not going to hit effective ranges of motion and our mechanics aren't going to be as good. And as I've said earlier, the reason why this is important before you move into things like technical preparation is that you've got better ranges of motion and you're warmer. You've got to be able to execute technical positions more effectively, which contributes to getting yourself faster. The third component then is ankle mobility drills and things like ankle rockers, lateral lunges. Again, making sure you're getting lateral movement in there because primarily uh, ankle injuries in hockey occur when you get ankle inversion uh, as the ankle moves laterally. So it's important you're getting good range of motion in a linear and lateral component. Trying to increase dorsiflexion which is where you can bring your shin, your uh, toes towards your shin sorry, as well as lateral based movements as well. So that's going to form our movement prep to begin with. And that's going to give us really nice foundation to then go into our technical prep. Which is our more sprint specific movement patterns having now improved that range of motion across the hip and ankle. When it comes to technical prep, what we're talking about here is preparing ourselves for the sprints we're about to do, but also improving technique and getting an opportunity to practice technique every single time we do this. So we're going to try and incorporate two things into this component. One is our running mechanics and second is plyometrics. Running mechanics are drills that are going to benefit the technical execution of the sprinting so that we can sprint more effectively when we come to do it. The most potent stimulus of the whole session here is the actual flying max effort sprinting we're going to try and do here, but the technical prep drills that come before that are also super, super important to make sure we're hitting those positions effectively. And if we're an athlete who hasn't done this much before, it gives an opportunity every single session in a warm up or every speed session or every conditioning session to get some exposure to improving the technique of the sprinting as well. Super, super important. Things like a skips here, straight leg runs and postural holds really, really good to laying a foundation of good quality movement preparation before letting ourselves loose on the free sprints. The second component then is the plyometrics and we're talking about things like pogo jumps, bounds and skips plyometrics are exercises whereby we utilize the stretch shortening cycle with a rapid concentric contraction of the muscle and typically um, we're looking at like less than 200 milliseconds of ground contact time so really really quick contact with the ground now not only is this going to be more uh, reflective sprinting so we're trying to prepare the ankle joint for example for the movement speeds and the contraction velocities associated with sprinting But also we're improving things like tendon um, elasticity and also muscle activation in and around the ankle joint so that it's prepared for the high velocities of sprinting coming up. And again, plyometrics is a super potent stimulus. And if we can get more exposure to it on a consistent basis in these uh, exercises, it means we're getting more exposure to the kind of work that's going to get us quicker in the long term as well. So movement prep first, that's going to prepare us for the technical drills. And then once we've done the technical drills, that's going to prepare us for the free sprints. The free sprints are, as the name suggests, just where we essentially sprint maximally. The general threshold intensity we're looking to try and achieve here is above 90%. So if you know, for example, over a set distance, let's say over a quarter pitch length, that you can do that in X time, then you know that if you divide the distance by the speed, um, you're going to provide a time for that then you know that um, overall you, sorry you're going to create a speed for that you know overall that if you're not hitting a certain threshold like 90% then you're not going fast enough to initiate the types of response we need the reason why 90% is a good uh, sort of cut off for the types of work we need them to do here is because in order to get the adaptations we need from sprinting and in order to consistently get exposure to highest velocities of movement we're going to achieve we need to be hitting these types of thresholds and that's good from things like hamstring injury prevention it's good from things like um, improving our speed in the long term because we're getting constant exposure to um, this type of, uh, of work and also improves our overall sprinting ability as well now we can generally take one or two one or two themes here maybe even a third one is linear maximal sprinting so we're just looking to try and improve top end speed and this has a cascading effect across different areas so if we can improve our top end speed generally we can also improve our acceleration and things like deceleration as well uh, in in line with that so flat out linear maximal sprinting would be things like flying 20 meter sprints you get a rolling 10 to 20 meter start and then 20 meters to put the afterburners on and sprint as quick as you can over that distance Generally with top end sprinting we're looking at anything really between a 1 to 10 to 1 to 20 work to rest ratio and generally the higher the intensity the longer the distance the more rest we're going to need here. So at the low end a 1 to 10 work to rest ratio would be if you sprint for 2 seconds and you're going to need at least 20 seconds recovery in between that. That is actually very, very short period of time to recover though. And you'll find that your sprint speed will drop off if you're doing that type of work-to-rest ratio. And we're looking more about kind of repeat sprintability here if we if we go towards that lower end. Really, we should be looking at a higher end of like a 1 to 20. So for example, if we sprint for three seconds, we should be resting for 60 seconds. And that's going to give us adequate time to um, fully recover before going and doing another max effort sprint. You may even find... Um, at the higher level, again, that something like one minute per 10 meters sprinted is going to be more reflective of the type of rest period that we need to achieve. So, for example, sprint 20 meters, rest for two minutes. Having said that, it's not always realistic to get um, really large periods of rest if you try and do this, for example, before a pitch session. So, sometimes just something like a one to 20 work to rest ratio can work well, and you can incorporate more technical prep drills into the recovery periods so you're getting a little bit of technical work whilst you're recovering between these sprints as well so we can either do something like a linear maximal sprint or we can do something like an acceleration focus starting from different positions so for example two point three point starts from a linear or lateral position doing things like a cut step to start or starting from a lateral shuffle into a sprint for example or we could do a multi-directional component where we're looking at incorporating deceleration and acceleration as well there's lots of different ways we can take this depends what the focus is for you and what your kind of limitation is at the moment for most hockey players getting high quality max effort linear sprinting is going to have a good knock on effect across a lot of different areas because it's probably the thing they get the least from the sport you're going to get lots of multi-directional work in hockey but you're probably not going to get true top speed exposure every single week so it's the kind of stuff that's important because it's what the sport doesn't give you Finally then, once we have completed that work, um, and I'll come back to kind of what volumes we should be doing per session in a second, we can then come to the cool-down. It's important just to have a proper cool-down at the end, unless of course you're going straight into a pitch session, just to make sure that you are being consistent, being disciplined around allowing your body to recover effectively after these high-intensity sessions, allowing your sort of body temperature, uh, breathing rate, heart rate to come down nice and gradually, so you're able to... Uh, Kickstart that recovery process and also allow those adaptations to begin to kick in. So, just some really simple things like static stretching in and around any areas that feel tight, basic light aerobic movement, just to let your body um, begin to cool down towards the end. Just to touch on that point I made there around the free sprint volume, generally speaking, anywhere between 150 to 300 meters of total volume per session is about right um, on top of a normal hockey week. So, for example, if you've got two training sessions and a match every week then doing one or two speed sessions of about 150 to 300 meters is probably about right having said that the top end there is quite a lot of volume of of high speed sprinting and for most people just getting exposure to a few high quality sprints per week is more than enough in the season and out of season probably focusing more on high quality speed efforts with more volume incorporated and that possibly towards the the higher end there So I hope that's a useful overview of what a kind of template speed session could look like for you. Any questions you've got, just let me know. Happy to answer them. But hopefully that just gives you a framework around what you need to include from the design of the session. So you know what elements to include, what type of exercises you need to be looking to incorporate into that. And also what the overall structure looks like as well. So I hope you've enjoyed that. And um, as always, if you've enjoyed it, please give me a a follow, a like and share with anyone who you think might enjoy this as well.